Welcome to the Married People Podcast, where we help you make marriage real, fun, and simple. Each week, we have honest conversations about one simple thing that can make your marriage better. Because when your marriage is better, everything's better. I'm CJ, and as always, I have the pleasure of sitting here with our resident newlywed, Afton. Hi. And our 22-year marriage veteran. He's an author, speaker, and the director of MarriedPeople.org, Ted Lowe. Hey, everybody. And today on the Married People Podcast, we're going to look at the question, how do I live out the vow for richer or for poorer? So we've all heard that in in the traditional marriage vows, and and whether or not you actually use those vows when you got married, we all know that for richer or for poorer, finances are a big deal when it comes to our marriage. And we've all heard the statistics that, you know, like one of the leading causes of divorce in North America is money fights and money problems. So that's why it's important for us to address, right, Ted? Yeah, absolutely. We all know that it's a big deal in every marriage. And so it's something we, we knew we had to talk about. I'm yeah. already cringing. I am too I 100% hate talking about money. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand talking about finances. I Are you the spender? Oh, Are you a spender? I'm... A, I'm Super spender. No, I mean, that as I'm a spender, so we're going to ask our one saver at the table. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Definitely a saver. Whoa. We don't even have to ask you. We <laughs> Sa- know for a fact you're why? a saver. <laughs> Did savers like to talk about money? I love to talk about money. See, because I love yeah. You yeah. would. Oh. You would. I will say I am I am the saver. Terry is the spender. It's a good balance because Terry, I think I've said this before, but Terry gets me out of the cave on days other than double or triple coupon Tuesday, right? She helps me, <laughs> you know, we balance Today, each other out. I know you're a saver because we work together and the fact that I know when you've gotten a new shirt means you're <laughs> definitely the saver in your relationship. Because you, <laughs> I don't What does that I mean? He wears the same that. thing over and over and over. I, well, just, I mean, I just I know he's got like he, you know, you rotate what four shirts? Whoa, maybe whoa. this is getting a little too personal maybe too three? quickly. I don't. I have a small assortment of clothing <laughs> that I I rotate. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I know you're the saver. You're the person who earlier today said you're wearing the same <laughs> shirt for the second day in a row because you didn't see us yesterday. Oh, that's not Holder a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing about money. That's a thing about laziness in the morning. Well. That aside, we are talking about <laughs> finances this week. And before we get Afton too, I'm too, already uh, worked up. too worked up, I have a little bit of uh, a game that I thought we would start out with about finances. So let's play a little uh, two truths and a lie when it comes to your marriage and finances. So okay. uh, your, your life, your marriage, two truths and a lie. Afton, do you want to get us going? I would love to get us going. So I'm going to say my... I'm going to say three things, and two of them are true, right? right. And one of them is a lie, but you don't and, know which one it is. And we got to figure out which one's the lie. Are you going to guess immediately after I say them? Yeah, let's let's do that. We'll, we'll take it one okay. at a time here. <laughs> okay, and what does the winner one. get? Oh, man. Two Money. for two at Tuesdays. <laughs> two, two for two at... What? Did I just say two, Tuesdays? Tuesdays. I think you got Ruby Tuesdays <laughs> and Chili's confused. Yeah, they I, are very different, Ted. I told you I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> I can't make sentences. Two for 22 at Chili's. Is that what we're going yeah, for? Yeah, let's go so over this. 20 at Chili's. Two for I 20 Is it Chili's. 22? Inflation. It's 28. He did go to 22. Inflation. You got to know there was a lot of discussion oh, about that. Yeah. Uh, two for 22. All right, here are my three things. Yep. All right. I'm going to say them with the most straight face. Okay. First thing, we own one one-thousandth of a Bitcoin. True or false? Well, do you want to tell us all three of them? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you all three. Okay. I'm just letting that one yeah. rest okay. for okay. a second. I see, I see. Okay, okay. Emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> one one-thousandth of a Bitcoin. Yep. Number two, and as we all know, Bitcoin is, you know, Cryptocurrency. Yes, cryptocurrency, <laughs> online money. It's right. like money you can hold, but it's digital instead. It's global economy, <laughs> It's the right? opposite of what we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Money you can hold, but it's digital instead. I don't yeah. even know what that means. Yeah. yeah, it sounds good. Okay, second thing. Every month, our movie theater budget is $20. Boy, that hardly gets you two movie tickets. Two tr- is, it, is it a truth or a lie? All I don't right. know, CJ, is it? All right, all right. Very tricky. Number three. We are debt-free. Debt-free 2018. Wow, those are good ones. Thank you very much. 
Wow, I am One thoroughly confused. One of those confused. is 100% a lie. So. <laughs> Do I believe that their movie budget is $20? Do I believe they're deeply in debt? <laughs> actually, yeah, it's like, actually, Which that's the lie. We're, we're up to our eyeballs in debt. It's actually a very serious situation. <laughs> that's why you're talking about money. Uh, I'm going to say the movie budget is. Uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bitcoin. That's the lie. Okay. And I'm gonna say the debt free is the lie. And the answer is debt free is the lie. I can't be debt free. I went to private college, hundred percent. I was just yeah. hopeful. I was you just were very hopeful. hopeful. Yeah. But 2018, cross cross your fingers. Okay. That's the year. I would love for us to go debt free. Okay. We're on track. Awesome. Maybe if I stop spending money. <laughs> well, stop good for you. To Target. That's awesome. Yeah. Getting gold staplers. Yes, but we right? do own one one thousandth of a Bitcoin. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> we, put put like, <laughs> we put like $10 into a Bitcoin. So hopefully it turns into 20 <laughs> oh, Good for you. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and then you cash that out and pay off your debt. That's right. And then I can pay for my movie going budget, which is $20 a month because we have this thing called Movie Pass, oh, wow. which lets you see unlimited movies basically for $10 a person per month. Right. Robert, our producer here, turned me on to that. I got to tell you, Movie Pass is the best thing that's happened to me since the birth of my last child. Best financial <laughs> investment I've ever made. And we're not we're not getting any throwback from this. Yeah, you're gonna think there's a catch. <laughs> we're not we're not sponsored by Movie Pass. We have, honestly, yeah. I bet you I've seen in the two months we've had it. I bet you I have personally seen, not to mention my kids. Mm, 10 movies? Yeah. Wow. You can go every day. Oh, I, and I feel like I've wasted the day when I don't. Yep, that's how Hudson feels too. <laughs> it's like milk going old in the refrigerator. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. All right, Ted, so, you yeah. want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Okay. Uh, one, we don't buy each other presents. Hmm. Two, I use software from 2002 to manage our finances. Very believable. Three, believable. we once got into a fight about me buying too many shoes. Oh, man. What was the first one again? Uh, we don't buy each other presents. I'm going to say that's the lie. I feel like you've talked about some of the things. I mean, I know he's... Uh, he's You're trying to go back into history uh, and see know. if you can prove one of them I know. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to guess. You don't buy... Yeah, the lie is that you don't buy each other gifts. Okay. Or, I, I'm, I'm going to guess the lie is you use software from 2002 to, make, to manage your finances. Because I just don't believe that a, a, a software could still be in existence that long that worked. <laughs> Afton is correct. Oh, ah! man. Afton is correct. Well, I don't manage our finances. Nancy does. And I have no idea what kind of software she uses to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, man. no idea what software yeah. she uses. That's she, a pretty good point. She could be using hardware for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Those are good ones, Ted. So you guys oh, don't buy each other gifts? No, that's their true... Oh, that's your truth. Mm -hmm. That's oh. the truth. Yeah, she. Uh, we just don't like for Christmas. Like we, I mean, we <gasps> went to New York for a vacation, um, so we're like, let's let that be it. So on Christmas morning, you don't you don't open something from Nancy? No, but I make my children who make money from things buy their mother a present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so she gets a present, but I don't get in trouble for buying what she did. Mm -hmm. She did buy me ten boxes of raisin nets, or, or the kids did. To go to the movie pass with. <laughs> Raisinette. So, so I saw That's this big good. box under there and I was like, eh, what are you doing? You know, That's she's like, good. And we are sponsored by Raisinettes, right? <laughs> oh, I wish we were. It's the Lord's candy. <laughs> I love it. All right. I guess it's my turn. All right, CJ. All right. So here are my three. And they are a little out there, but. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a little out there for CJ is regular out there for everyone else. <laughs> I, I think regular you're going to be surprised. There. And you're going to think, oh, he's just trying to make. You know, he's just trying to be out there. But all right, my first one is we have a budget meeting every weeknight to discuss the day's purchases and expenses. Every, uh, sorry, every so weeknight, every day, not on the weekends because we're week usually night. together. But You're every weeknight, very believable. Okay, we talk so about every single day. But it's it's you know it might be thirty seconds because it's the only thing right. we bought was gas. So every single day, you just oh. have like a little mini meeting about your expenses. Like, all right, what do we need to put, you know, And everyone's 100% truthful about them. Okay, got it. Uh, my second one <laughs> is buying a ticket to space is one of our long-term financial goals. Okay. That's, okay. You're right. That's out there. That's outer <laughs> there. space there. <clears throat> my last one is Terry and I have a cosmetics line item in our budget. Did you get all that? Oh, I got it. 
I mean, yours are the longest <laughs> phrases. I think those are the best. Okay, I already, hold on. So, sorry, the first one uh, was... Budget meeting every weeknight. Budget meeting every day. Ticket to space, space is a long-term financial um, goal. Yep. And then we have a line item, cosmetics. Terry I'm, can put whatever she wants to in that. Outer space is the lie. Because I don't even think that's a thing yet. I don't even think that's a real... I mean, maybe in 25 years you can. But average person being able to go to outer space is not... I don't think that's... a. Maybe you haven't done your research. What Tesla, <laughs> the guy that created Tesla, like he's all about it, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm on, so torn. I know the budget Delta. meeting thing's happening. Really I, quick and see if I think they've the budget, got outer space. I think that budget meeting thing's happening for sure. I do too. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with um, the cosmetic things a lie. So you're both wrong. So we have a budget meeting once a month, uh, and that's how we... <laughs> Keep track of our finances. Uh, oh. As we make expenses, we'll we'll text each other, you know, throughout the day if we need to. But just like, hey, we need to add this, that. But we do not do. Uh, we okay, do not have a budget. Each other throughout the day is even worse than a mini meeting every day. Well, we don't have a budget meeting at the end of every weekday. That would be ridiculous. But you're still telling each other every time you make a purchase. I mean, I mean, not every time. I mean, it's not like. But anyway, so I don't have to justify anything I do to you. <laughs> you don't know me. Okay, take it to space. So one of my long-term goals is to actually, you know, buy a ticket to space one day. Terry's 100% on board. And we think in 25 to 30 years, if you look at prices, they'll actually be manageable. So, so are you going to go and land on a different planet? Or well, you just kind of orbit around? Maybe just orbit around. Right now, and- today, a ticket to space is about... A quarter million, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So twenty five to thirty years from now, they might be like who's $10, going to space right now? Who's going to space? Lance, you can, Lance you can, Bass. You can buy you can buy tickets oh. to space. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did hear him oh, say that's that. What he's been doing. <laughs> and you know why I know all this stuff off the top of my head because it's true, and I've researched it, and it's a goal of ours. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some research after this podcast. So, so you retire, go. you go to space. Just a, just a quick trip. I love that. I love that. Finances impact all of our marriages, and uh, they can either bring us together or they can drive us apart. But I think we could all agree that either way, whether you and your spouse handle money really well together or or not well together at all, it's still a challenge. You know, getting on the same page about your money and finances is a challenge, whether or not you have two nerds, two free spirits, or you have, you know, spender, savers, however that combination looks. So that's why, Ted, I'm so excited about today's interview. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah, we're going to interview Rotha Roberts. He is the director of Love & Money at Bright Peak Financial. Uh, They focus on helping young couples thrive in their relationships with money and each other. I I think they help couples regardless if they're young or not. Rotha has a BA in religion, theology, and ethics, and a master's in counseling psychology with a background in ministry. He's done research for many years and working uh, in financial services. He's been ecstatically married for 20 years and is a professional dorky dad to two what he calls uh, Midwest Rican kids because okay. he is Puerto Rican, which he will talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're going to love Rafa because he's really real. And the thing I've loved about Rafa and the Love and Money Project, we partnered with them, is they, they talk about that money is way much more than some kind of exchange, that it's really relational, it's emotional. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear from Rafa. Rafa, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Love it, Ted. Thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Rafa and I have got to know each other over the last couple of years and uh, had the same passion when it comes to how you see money and that uh, we've learned some things there. I've learned so much from Rafa and all the folks at Bright Peak. And so I'm very excited that you're here, but uh, we're going to go ahead and dive in because you have some great things to say and I want to make sure our folks can hear you. Okay. We always, you know, if we're thinking about the whole tension and this whole idea of tension in marriage, um, Rafa, why do you think money is often such a challenging thing for married couples? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's a, it's a, there's no question it is, right? Um, uh, you don't need a lot of studies to, to know its attention. Uh, you know, it is. It's always reported as uh, like the number one thing that couples will fight about or the stressors, things that stress people out. But if you just, you know, like we do, if you walk around and just get to talk to couples at events or one-on-one, um, just as soon as you start talking about this topic, we call it love and money. I mean, just people light up and they just tell you these stories um, about, you know, these tensions that they're having. And um, we actually have a partner. Uh, we have lots of love and money voices that get to be part of this 
movement. And our partner, um, Dr. Sonia Britt, now Luter, Britt Luter from Kansas State, she did this crazy study where um, a few years ago where she found that young couples uh, married within five years who argued about money like regularly versus rarely um, increase the chance of divorce by like 70%. So this is such a crazy important topic. I don't want our listeners to miss that. So so if, if you're arguing about finances your first two years of marriage on a regular basis instead of just every once in a while, it increases your chance of divorce in year five by 70%. So not in year five. So within the first five years, right? In the, within the first five years. So those first few years of marriage, you've had a couple of guests who talk about the importance of those first few years, right? And this is well studied. So in those first five years, if you're arguing, if you're on the scale and you're saying, oh, yeah, we're arguing about this all the time, like regularly, compared to the group that says, we rarely argue about this, the increased risk of divorce down the line in your marriage increases by like 70%. So that's a, it's a, just an insane- wow number. So I say that, you know, before answering the question, because it is right. It just is attention. Um, you know, because we have this shared passion, like we don't talk about this enough. Like here we are. I love what you're doing with the, with, uh, married people with the podcast and, and we want to help marriages. We want to have thriving marriages. And so for us, this passion is around figuring out exactly your question. Like, why is this such a tension? And what we've come to find is right. Like a lot of the times you're out there, you're talking about this and people are bringing up very practical, uh, important, but practical things, right? Like, Hey, you, you need to get a budget. Like y'all need to get a budget. That's what you got to figure out or, well, that's because one of you is a spender or your saver, like, like only one person in the relationship spends and the other person always saves, right? Like we do, (laughs) we do that where we just say like one person's a spender there. They spend it all. Right. Um, but the reality, uh, the answer to the question is like, there's just, it's, there's just a lot more going on than just money. In fact, it's not even about money. We we like to say it's bigger than a budget. There's all this stuff going on underneath the surface that it's what it's really about um, that's bigger than spending and saving that's really going on. And, and what we've found and what some of our partners and researchers have found is that what's really going on is that this touches on differences in values. Mm-hmm. Like this is a question of what do we value? How do we value? Um, how do I value ourselves and God and resources and relationships and generosity and all these things? And so, you know, we, we talk a lot about these five dimensions, these dimensions of our relationship with money um, and not to make it complicated, but just to, just to be real about it, that like, there are beliefs that we have. There's cultural norms from our family. There's different ways we do things emotionally. Uh, there's behaviors and habits that we have. And all of that just collides when uh, couples come together. And then we're wondering why we're like running from this conversation because all that stuff is what makes it stressful and challenging and scary for people to talk about. Ravi, can you unpack just in a couple sentences on each yep. of those, the, these five dimensions of, of what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a big aha for us, right. When we started talking about like, well, you know, there's a lot of practical stuff out there, but what's really going on. So we, we like to name these, you know, kind of five dimensions of our relationship with, with love and money, with money. Um, so there is spiritual, uh, cultural, emotional, behavioral, and practical things going on. So in a nutshell, right. Um, the, the spiritual piece is where we like to start because this is where it's the deeply rooted beliefs um, and values that I've developed. Like, so this is like, what do I believe about God and resources and with what we value and how we put our value in things or money or helping others? And so that's that's one component, right? Like this spiritual relationship we have with money. Then we have this cultural perspective. So there's this piece that's like, if you think about it, our family upbringing, mm. uh, the part of the country you grew up in, right? The South where you say Haas and then the Midwest. <laughs> um, and so for me, like being a Latino and just having all the stuff that comes with that relationship or, you know, what church tradition you grew up in, all that stuff shapes, you know, your thoughts, your values and all the things that you're going to, the cultural norms, right? And then there's this emotional part, right? So everybody's different in the types of emotions and are you anxious? Um, you know, are you an extroverted person when it comes to money and sharing, or are you, you know, tight and um, stressed and, you know, how do you react emotionally? And then of course the things we kind of understand more like behaviors and habits. Um, you know, am I good with my habits? Am I good at setting goals um, and following through? Or am I kind of just like, you know, not good at that and, and just practically knowing the right things to do. And so, uh, you know, we don't, we don't like to overcomplicate it, but there's just all this stuff going on. Mm. 
underneath that when you, when you take on one of these things as a couple and you say, say like, Hey, you know, honey, let's just, um, let's just figure out a budget. Let's go. Right. It's like, well, you got to understand there's all this stuff you're bringing to the table, to that conversation. That's going to make, that's going to make that could make that a little bit tricky. And we like to say it can make it messy, but it doesn't have to, right. Mm. It doesn't have to make it hard. Well, you know, that's the thing I've loved about, you know, the better half study that we've worked with you guys and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, puts a little bit of our language, the married people language around that you guys are gracious enough to let us do that. You know, we've always talked about it, married people. We've been doing married people ministry for, for eight years. I've been working with married couples through that. And I always wanted to do something on money. Mm-hmm. But at one, I am not the pro because at my house, I'm the, I'm the, I am the spender most of the time, <laughs> or I, t- I tend to be. We have come so far. I tend to be the spender. Uh, she right. tends to be more the saver. Um, but when I saw what, how you know you guys were unpacking this, I went, this is it because you're right. We can help people to budget, which is so important. That's such a mm. great, great tool. But when you guys said, wait a minute, it's, there's so much more to the service, it just so resonated yeah. with me. And I think it's people listening right now are probably encouraged by the fact that this thing is a little bit more complicated than we've been led to believe. And uh, yeah. you guys do a great job at taking, whoa, this is, there are these more, all these other dimensions to it. Right. But they actually become cleaner and clearer and more simple. Yes. When you unpack those things, right? Well, well absolutely. And I, I'll, I'll give you an example and uh, and actually tie this to some of the other guests that you've had, because it's all one big conversation, right? Um, uh, but, you know, there's a there's a woman I was talking to the other day, lovely woman, um, and she's just sharing her heart about the struggle she's having with her husband. Um, and and it's, it's literally the way you just described it, right? Like he's the spender, she's the saver, she's anxious. Um, and she's like, we just, um, this is something we hear over and over. We just cannot get on the same page. Um, you know, a little sidebar yesterday, our, um, John Acuff, our friend, you know, bestseller, John Acuff, um, was here. He's another one of our love and money voices. And he, and he did a live stream with his audience and he just said, Hey, I'm here with the bright peak folks. Like, and, and they want to know what's on your mind around money. And, and like this recurring theme about people saying like, we cannot get on the same page. So that's where she's at. Mm. Right. And she's like, ah, you know, how do we do this thing? We're so broken. And so I started listening and I started just asking questions and here's what's crazy, right? Underneath, underneath that is this awesome thing that's going on, uh, where both of them are, are these wonderful, positive people who want to take care of their family. Like they want to do right by their kids and their family, young kids. And the challenge is that for him, based on just beliefs and background and family, and like they had money growing up or whatever for him, like how that shows up is like, look, let's have fun. Let's spend money on the kids. Like let's buy whatever they need. Cause that's how he provides. Like that's Mm. how he feels like I am providing for my family. So it's tapping into that, you know, question of provision and he avoids it because they never had to talk about it as family for her. Like the reason it's so anxious is she grew up anxious about money. They mm-hmm. didn't have enough and her way of being super mom and, and really taking care of her family is around security and stability. So what she's worried about is like, are we going to have enough to get the better home for my kids and for college? And like, are we going to, you know, like your job, like I, you know, we're going to run out of money. And so that's what's colliding, right? And so we think it's this conversation around like what he's buying, what she's not or whatever, but that's what's going on underneath. So when they start to identify and align around like, wait a second, we're both trying to be good. You know, we both love each other. We're committed to this. We're both trying to be good parents, but I get it. Like you have this different perspective, these different values. Um, and, and, and I get you like, Oh, I get what you're worried about. You're just trying to take care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me a little bit about what you, you know, you had Dr. Jim Burns on talking about like this, um, positivity and you were referencing this awesome study about giving the benefit of the doubt and bingo, there it is. All of a sudden I can see from this different perspective, like, Oh, I get what's going on with you. Right. Um, and so mm. when you start to unpack that stuff, that's when we start to unleash making this money thing easier, more simple and fun. Like, you know, the language that y'all like to use, that's when you can get to the more simple, fun conversation. Rafa, this is, you know, this is when I know I'm a real marriage geek, because as you're talking about this, I got literal chill bumps because mm. I think in marriage, oftentimes we can make the other one bad because we're good, right? We understand us. We fully get how we see things. For couples to be able to pull back and go, wait a minute, 
he doesn't wake up with a bad heart. She doesn't wake up with a bad heart. She's not having creative meetings with other people to see how they can make our life hard with money. Yeah. It's, it's different perspectives. It's just, yeah. and when, again, we can say, you know what? He's just wanting to provide or she just right. wanting to feel safe. It can change everything. And I'm just thinking those of you who are listening right now, it just, if nothing else from this interview, if you were to pause and go, okay, let me rewind this thing. What could potentially be, you know, the issue uh, or the the heart behind my, you know, spouse's spending habits? That could be huge, right? Oh, oh absolutely. And and uh, and I got to poke a little fun at this because there's that aspect. And I and I I love the study that you reference. And I love what you know, Dr. Burns was saying. And you had Shanti on, another partner of ours, um, and she talks about kindness and and mm. you know, assuming best intentions. And and literally, that's at the core. Um, of, of everything that we do is, is just coding yourself with gratitude and generosity. And, and that's such a big part of the story. Um, and we can come back to that, but I got to poke fun a little bit of it at this, because if the listeners are there, they're like, yeah, there's, there's other sides to this story too. And sometimes what I see in this different perspective is that, you know, we're not only unwilling to give that benefit of the doubt, but we can't see clearly, you know, how close, you know, how close we are to our mm. own way thinking. So, so I give some guys a hard time and it happens to be guys here because, um, you know, a lot of times you get this stereotypical, like, Oh, you know, she's spending all, all this money on little things or whatever. And, and around here, you know, we're in Minnesota, a very outdoors, um, uh, group of people being outside, you know, fishing, hunting, playing, biking or whatever. And I'm, I'm always cracking up because people are like, Oh, you know, she's buying this stuff and she's spending the money or whatever on these little things or, you know, whatever, a pair of shoes, whatever it might be. And then, you know, these events come around like golf opener, you know, golf opens up or whatever. And the guy goes out and he spends several thousand dollars on, you know, a new set of golf clubs or on the golf membership. And I'm just looking at him saying like, hold up, buddy. Like, wait, hold up just a second. <laughs> See, what's happening here is that you, what you value, you have no problem on. Like that's not, oh, you're the saver, except for when you spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars on that golf membership, right? <laughs> but, but she's the spender because she just dropped, you know, 35 bucks at DSW on a pair of shoes or whatever, right? And so I think sometimes it's like, it's, it's yes, absolutely from that point of empathy, but also from that point of keeping it real and saying mm -hmm. like, look, we all value something. Um, we all have ways that we think the money should be spent. And that's where we, we made this commitment to come together and, and understand each other's perspective and then arrive at this point of alignment. Like, hey, got it. I'm going to be cool with that because this is something that you feel is important. This is what I feel is important. Let's navigate that together, oh, right? That, and, that, and it's powerful. That's a great point, Ruff. So what you're saying, yes, we need to have empathy and try to understand where a spouse is coming from, but we need to try to understand better and deeper to go, okay, here's how I see money. Now, what about that is maybe not healthy? What about that is is maybe not fair? And so it's just kind of understanding where we're both coming from. Is, is that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think th this was a this was another big eye opening finding we had. So um, we're working with a couple people. So we're working with um, Dr. Galen Buckwalter. Um, they now have a group called SciML. He was uh, like the chief scientist when they built eHarmony. Um, crazy smart guy, wonderful human being. Um, and we did some study to create um, our love and money uh, relationship assessment. So we wanted to understand like, can we quickly assess? You know, five minutes or less, um, give people a sense of how they're doing in this love and money. So so we went out. We looked at the people who were thriving. You know, they're very satisfied in this um, when you bring money into the conversation of the relationship versus those who are not. And one of the key things that came out, there's a number of things that you would like nod your head at and be like, yes, absolutely. All our marriage stuff speaks to that. One of the things that was really interesting is how powerful being valued and heard uh, came out. And so like literally like the person saying, I wish that my, you know, my loved one, my significant other would value my input or just listen to my input as we do this. Mm -hmm. And so it gets to this question of like, um, doing this together and interdependence and f you use the word fair, right? And, and I think that's such a big concept, right? Is are we a team when we do this? Are we doing this together? Or is this a me versus you area? Um, mm -hmm. And a, a like, hey, you do the money thing and, and I'll do this thing. Like, hey, you, you, you budget it and I'll spend it, right? And, um, <laughs> 
And that's, it's funny, but it's true. Right. And like people ask us, one of the most common questions people ask us is like, um, you know, Hey, separate accounts or joint accounts. Right. And what are they really getting at? Right. And I love to do this. I, I, there was a woman here and she was actually from a radio station. And so you would talk about this love and money thing. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I got to tell you, people always tell me their personal stories to the side. And she's like, I got to tell you, like my husband and I, like, yeah, we, we totally, we run separate accounts, everything, everything is separate. And I said, you know, honestly, there's a, there's a strategy around that that can work. It's all, it's our shared money. It's our commitment. But here's my question is, are you doing it because it's a good strategy? Like that's where your spending money goes, or are you doing it to avoid communicating and having to mm. work it out? Mm. And she looks at me, right? This happens all the time. She looks at me and she goes, honestly, we just don't want to talk about it. Mm. <laughs> we just don't want to work through it together. Mm. Um, so there is that question that you said, like, Hey, are we do, are we being fair? Are we committed, equally committed to making this work and to just looking at what we each value and prioritize, um, and bring in our perspectives, um, not only our perspectives, but the stuff we bring from our family and all the stuff we're bringing, like putting it on the table, um, and working through it together. Absolutely. Well, and the importance of this is not just to be better at, you know, our spending habits, you know, the fruit of all these conversations. Yeah, of course, we hope it leads to, you know, better spending and better saving, but it leads to so much more these deeper conversations when people are talking about how they're growing up. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's deep water, that's deep mm -hmm. water to go in. And there's so much comes out of that so much empathy, mm -hmm. so much compassion, so much, um, so much generosity towards each other. So that's amazing. Yes. Rafa, what would you say? You know, we're both, you know, you and I are both believers. We both work for Christian companies. Um, mm -hmm. And so what do you, what does the Bible, what do you say, <laughs> what does God speak to this? Yeah. Also, also remembering, you know, that a lot of people listening, you know, they listen to the podcast because I feel like we're very practical and we do make marriage real fun and simple. And I think these truths that God points out in marriage is relevant to all of us. But, and what are those truths? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we can geek out on this uh, topic forever. Um, but you hear a lot of people say this is true that Jesus talks more about money than just about anything in the Bible, more than heaven and more than hell. And, and you know, people ask themselves a the question, why? Like, why is that? And is it because God was really concerned in terms of our, you know, asset allocation and 401ks, you know, and, <laughs> and leaving good, you know, hey, make sure we leave good retirement legacies. Like, no, 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 no. Jesus understood. God knows our design. And Jesus knew, like, this cuts to the heart of who we are mm -hmm. and the relationships that we have with God, with each other, with our loved ones. And um, and we around here, we love to start at the beginning. Like, there's tons of money, parables, and stuff. But, like, I love to go. We love to go to the beginning. And if you go to Genesis, right, we love to look at it as a love, a love and money story. And um, you start at the beginning, and you're like, uh, God, you know, God made us, God made us to be good. Um, and then just even right away, God's like looking at us and looking at Adam and says, Hey, it's not good for us to do this alone. And if you look at the, what the, this is, it, it was to steward the blessings and the gifts that God gave us, like to have stewardship of the resources and to say, Hey, I don't want you to have to do this alone. Um, I like to say, I actually think that you need some help with this. And so there's this word, the Azer that gets created, um, the suitable helper, a helper suitable to him. And uh, people misinterpret that all the time. But like, I, I think the best interpretation of that word is the partner, the helper, the rescuer. Um, that word is used with God a lot. And what happens is this partnership gets created and it's literally suitable for him, like complementary to him. And so, hey, you're going to steward, you're going to do this journey together. Um, and what happens right away is like, it's, it points to this, like this condition that happens and it happens in Genesis and it happens with us today where we start to question everything. You know, we start to question whether we're good enough, whether God's good enough, whether God's trustworthy, can we trust each other? You know, if you break down the story and you look at it, like they start to say like, wait a second. Well, I mean, I know you're okay. I know you're all right, but like you could be better. Like you could know good and evil. Like you could be more powerful. And so we start to want for more and start to feel like I'm not enough. Right. Mm. And I think, I think it's so important to start there because at the core of these conversations is this question around, am I a good enough dad or mom or wife or husband or friend or believer or, you know, volunteer. And so we start to you know, play that game of comparison um, and feeling like we don't have enough. And that's a, just a great starting point to say like, 
look, when we can center that, that spiritual dimension around uh, God is good enough, strong enough, trustworthy enough, like everything is his and we are called to steward it mm. and share it and to help others. Um, and we are called to do that in partnership, right? With somebody who, by the way, is a compliment to me. And so, yeah, you know what? She is different and she does have different strengths and skills. And that's an awesome design to do this better. Um, so I love, I love to look at that story, Mm -hmm. um, and say, Hey, there, there's a biblical truth. And when you fast forward all the way out to Matthew and to Jesus words, you know, Matt, uh, Jesus talking to people, and I love that it's like in chapter five, you know, he's going through the the sermon on the mount and he's giving all these principles. He's like, hey, I know y'all Googled like the top five laws that you should follow, but you know, it's deeper than that. There's more stuff going on. Like it's about your heart and it moves into the section around generosity and taking care of the poor, right? It's moving right into this like cut into the heart of the matter. And it looks like it's about money. And, and that's when he says that, you know, like, Hey, you cannot serve two masters, right? In Matthew six, you can't serve two masters. Like you cannot love God and love money, right? Often the worst quoted verse in the Bible is like, you know, money's the root of all evil. That's not what it says. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And so we're in there where he's calling out, like, here's the deal. Like your heart has to be right with this whole deal about money and the role that it plays. Uh, and then finally, you know, it culminates in Matthew 22, where it's like, okay, so what are the, what's the key commandments? And he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, mind. And we like to say like, hey, there's the multiple dimensions at play, right? It wasn't just like, hey, follow all the practical actions, but like, no, love God with your heart, your soul, all your being with your mind. Yep. There's the practical and the cognitive, but there's more. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And I think when you string those things together, right, there's the message in a nutshell is like, we are called to steward uh, and to put our trust and faith in God, the provider of all these things, whether I have a lot or a little, right? And that Paul later says, I know the secret to being content, whether I have a lot or a a little, it's like, God helps me do all this, you know, through Christ. And then to basically use that to, to be able to see through the minds of others to serve others, to love our neighbor, to help others, and to live in this community with God and with others. And uh, I mean, there's a lot there and a, and a ton of parables behind it. But to me, that's like the story, right? Hmm. It's that that's what's going on with this money and that we're focused on not enoughness and on more will make us happy and on comparison and the partnership not working because we're different. And God's just looking at us saying like, come on now, right? Like, look at the story. Like that's the, I want something more for you. There's a bigger story going on. Mm, so it's not only deeper with our relationship with each other, it's deeper with our relationship with God. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's at the core of it. It's like, um, you know, asking that question of like, what is, you know, what is my, what is this saying about my relationship with God? And, um, you know, and the parables around saying like, was it, you know, does God want us to abandon everything because he wants us to be poor? No, God wants us to put our trust in him mm. Um, and to be able to look at serving each other and then, you know, manage and do our money from there. You know, so that's where the relationship starts. It's a strong basis of that. All right, mm-hmm. Rafa, it's so funny. Almost from the first conversation you and I had, we've, you know, we just have been, have got really real with each other and laughed and kind of talked about imperfections or things mm-hmm. that we're learning. How does this play out in your own marriage? You know, that's, uh, it's absolutely, it's an amazing story for us. Um, and I just, I, it's a privilege to be able to work in this area because even back in, uh, you know, counseling school, grad school, they, they teach you about the wounded healer. And the fact that if you're going to be a good coach, you're going to be a good counselor, you have to understand that, Hey, you're broken, right? You're broken too. So don't, don't pretend to be perfect. And, um, we definitely around here don't like to tell people we've got this all figured out. And so, um, my wife and I, we've been married almost 20 years, um, which is awesome. Um, awesome. we have uh, just a great relationship. Um, she's a blessing to me. And it's funny because like everybody else, this, this was an area that was a challenge for us. It has been a challenge. And And for me, what was interesting is when we came into the relationship, I was a person who came in with a story where, um, you know, I grew up in Puerto Rico. We moved around a lot and my parents like had money, but we always lived for me from this perspective of scarcity, Hmm. like, you know, where, where my early memories are about like, you know, tightness and not having enough and just this, this security that came from knowing like, okay, well, you know, we have enough money. Like, why am I wearing all this cheap clothing and kind of getting made fun of? Right. Hmm. Uh, like, is it, do we not have enough money? Um, and her story was different. And so when we come into the relationship, 
I find myself, like I found myself for many years automatically always questioning whether we had enough, right? Mm-hmm. It was always like, uh, I joked once at an event, I said, my wife came home with this little thing from CVS, right? And it was literally like a necklace from CVS. And you know, like at CVS, they don't sell anything bigger than $10. So like, you know, I shouldn't probably be panicking. It's like a Walgreens or whatever. Um, but here I am, like, I just see any purchase or any receipt and my brain, like the alarms start going off. It's like money's being spent. Oh my <laughs> Lord. You're like, watch out. Money's being spent. We're with the poor house. Okay. Well, I guess the kids aren't going to college. Like, I guess that's it. <laughs> right. Like I will homeschool them all the way through, all the way through grad school or something. And it's like, I just, I've had to learn to realize like, that's just been my automatic reaction from, you know, upbringing and from just challenges and just being able to start and center myself in two things. One is like, Hey, you're okay. Right. God has provided. We are so blessed. We have enough. We have more than enough. And then the other, which we've already talked about is like, I, for me, a big change was starting to understand that benefit of the doubt from my wife. Um, and just saying, you know, Kelly, my wife, like she's amazing at so many things. And when I could start saying exactly what you just said a few minutes ago, like she's not out to bury us or to spend us into the poor house, or she's not doing this to sort of trigger me or, or because she's completely unconscious about our plans. Actually, what happens is Kelly's way more organized and she's got a way better memory than me. So she remembers the plan that we made. She remembers the budget. She's actually plays a big, big part in it. Um, She's really good with finances. And so she's got a handle on it. She's not stressing about it. Mm. Right. And so I have to just remember like, wait, wait, hold on. She knows something that I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> Wait, let's pause on that. Is the tweet of the day? She knows something that I've forgotten. That I have forgotten. That I'm is the you, story like, of my life, right there. I'm telling you, right. And so she's so gifted at that, and I'm like, oh yeah, right. And so to just be able to to reach that spot now, where you know the biggest thing that changed wasn't. I'll be perfectly honest. It isn't that those thoughts don't come up. It's what I do with that. Mm. You know, you talk you talk a lot about choice and choosing your thoughts and choosing behavior and just choosing to say, hold up, let me root myself in some truths. Let me remember where these come from and let me focus on her and what I know to be true. And by the way, that even when we're having disagreements or discussions, right? Cause it's like, we don't always agree. Um, but when I come at it from that perspective, guess what? These money conversations are easier they're not scary. We can have them. Um, mm. Lots of couples get to the point where it's like, you know, hey, we're an open book about this now. Like, we're not afraid to have these conversations. Yeah, I totally agree 100%. Nancy came from a scarcity mentality, uh, mm-hmm. and I came from a surplus that didn't know how to budget. Uh, <laughs> was there, So th- those two things got married, and so you uh, can imagine uh, the things there. But it, it took us a while to really land on that, you know, I was— uh, my mom passed away when I was 10. And so one of the things that we learned to do is retail therapy, you know, purchase things. Um, mm-hmm. And my, you know, my dad, like you're saying, buy big toys. Like my dad bought us, um, before they were banned by the government, bought us three wheelers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've teased him about that ever since. Uh, but horses, these different t- scuba diving gear. So it was all these different things and then wow. clothes and just a brand new car when I was 16 years old. And so I kind of grew up with things could make me feel better for a little bit. Uh, it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really process losing my mom. And so money, and still to this day, it's still a struggle not to use it uh, to medicate. And I think uh, Nancy, we've kind of met in the middle a little bit. Yeah. We just took a trip to uh, New York with our, our 18-year-old and so to celebrate his birthday. And uh, she and I are together. It's enough for us to just sightsee and look. And so we were riding by all these things. And when there was a, a play and I was like, oh, we should go to the play. And she's like, oh, it's really expensive or whatever. And I said, honey, uh, we're in New York and it's great to ride by things, but we're probably going to want to go ahead and go in some of these places. Yeah, right. uh, and so we had the talk about Aladdin and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sacrifice going to Aladdin so the two of you can go uh, mm-hmm. and go with my brother's wife and his daughter. And they had a they had a great time. And she said and my son said both said afterwards said that was the best part of the trip. But that is something that I've had to encourage her that somewhere in, is in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, and what you did there, Ted, I mean, and, and obviously no surprise, right, is um, you you said, I understand where she comes from, right? You understand the story, the story of her and that's brought her here. And you also understand what she wants, right? And so, again, for my wife, like she knows, like I want, I don't want 
that restriction. I don't want this to be negative. Um, and so when you understood that, like you can understand that. And, and so you don't come at this place of saying like, oh my goodness, like, why are you so cheap? Like, you don't want anything fun for us, right? Them's the fighting words. But when you come from this place of like what you did, you're like, honey, like, I know, like, it feels like we're spending a lot. So like, you're speaking to her language on this. And now you're going to be able to arrive at a compromise or at a, at a place that you both feel comfortable with because, because you're choosing to understand each other's story and speak each other's language. And that's just, I mean, that's huge. That's mm. just that's good. Well, Rafa, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. But one of the things for this podcast and marriedpeople.org in general is we mm -hmm. say we want to make marriage real fun and simple. Uh, yeah. We've talked about a lot of deep things, you know, the five different dimensions that scripture, the different, you know, spending styles and saving styles, those different things. Right. If somebody's, you know, listening to this on the way to work or they're going for a run and they're hearing this, mm -hmm. we're going to point them at the end of this to some other resources so they can dig deeper. But sure. if they were just to do one really simple thing this week, when it comes to this whole idea of knowing that that money isn't just about budget, because here's the thing, like you guys have got great budget tools. They're, they're mm -hmm. ph phenomenal. Uh, mm -hmm. What you guys do that's unique, to, I feel that then to other resources is to really focus on the relational part. So what is what is something that a listener could do, one thing that they could do this week to get a little bit more clarity about what's really going on with uh, money in their mm -hmm. marriage? Yeah. No, it's a great question. And I love that perspective that y'all simplify it and say, hey, let's do one simple, maybe even fun thing. Um, and I think my answer to that is going to be is something that we go to a lot when we, you know, when we have to have a go to, uh, you know, for for audiences or for couples. Um, and that's that I'm going to I would say to the listeners, uh, go home or if you're listening together, um, ask yourself this question, say, hey, uh, tell me about one of your earliest uh, influential memories of money. Like, just tell me a story about you know childhood or growing up or college or whatever, whatever time time frame that that stands out as an influential memory of money, um, and have a conversation about that. And mm -hmm. and here's why, Ted, because it's a really easy conversation to have. I mean, we've seen people do it in big groups and small groups. It's a really easy conversation to have because you're just telling a story, right? You just did it there. You talked about your, your upbringing and her upbringing. Um, but you, the second thing that's happening is you're, you're tapping into some ahas and some truths around like why, you know, why that story and why did that come to mind? And you're learning uh, about each other. So all you're really doing is you're gaining a little bit of awareness and appreciation um, about their money story. Mm. And what we find without doing anything else, that one simple thing, uh, we've had people, you know, crack up laughing or start crying, or we've literally had people gasp out loud. That's why, you know, that's why you do that. And uh, <laughs> I would just recommend that maybe just, you know, be prepared. Don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't say, that's why you're such a jerk with money. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, but, but just listen and, and ask follow-up questions um, you know, kind of say like, Hey, what, what do you, you know, do you think that shows up today? Or what do you think about that? So when we learn a little bit more about each other's story, uh, then we can start to really tap into working together, uh, and being better together and, and just having that empathy and everything else that we're talking about and, and have a simple, uh, and yet dare I say fun money conversation, <laughs> uh, that really can get you started on a, on a better relationship with money and each other. I love that. I love that. All right, Rafa, you know, what happens? What have you seen happen when couples get more clarity on how money is impacting their marriage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, the effects are powerful. Um, you know, this is something where, uh, you know, obviously we do a lot. You talked about it. We have free budget tools. Um, we have financial products. We're a not-for-profit, you know, Christian member organization. So, you know, we give money back through our products. So for us to shift mindset and say, Hey, you know, great, these products are all helpful, but you know, what are, what's really, what do people really need help with and go to this relational piece was a big mind shift for us a couple of years ago. And yet, you know, we, we found it to be working so well, um, we even went out and tested it. Like we, we worked with Dr. Britt Luter at Kansas State. Um, we got 13 couples and we had them go through. And what we found 
um, you know, by opening up these conversations and doing activities and just having truly having some fun with this, but really learning about each other um, and all these multidimensional things going on. Um, we found the participants overall, um, they, they found better communication around the topic of money. They improve their confidence to be able to take on goals and to like do kind of that next money goal, if you will, together. Um, and most importantly, I think most fun is they reduce stress overall. Mm. Uh, and I, and I got a note, right. It wasn't that they didn't, um, you know, our, our partner, Sonia, she, she measures stress during these sessions and stress went up during some of these. Cause this, I mean, it's a tricky subject, right. Sure. But, but overall, like when you looked at it, people's stress around this topic reduced little by little by little. It got better. And, um, and I think for me, it culminates with, I had a great conversation with a guy um, from the East coast. And he was like, he came and he was talking about just the power of having done one of the better half sessions, one of the sessions that we partner with you on. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we we've done some great stuff. We've done financial peace. We've gotten out of debt. Those are great, great programs. They really are. But he said, we always, we kept fighting more. And what he realized is that the practical stuff wasn't getting at all of this relationship stuff and the whole idea that they quote, couldn't get, couldn't get on the same page. And so what this did is this unlocked new conversations. And frankly, Ted, the way I like to say it is like, it put them on the same team. Hmm. And when they got on the same team, you know, it's like it, un- we see people unleash their ability to then take on what I would say is then the easy stuff, like, like, Hey, let's go make a budget. Like, let's go figure out what we cut out of our budget or where we spend more or where we give more or, you know, what kind of insurance we're supposed to have or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, so we keep seeing that over and over. It's a ton of fun. Um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, partnering with people like you, um, and relevant magazine and Shanti, um, a video series that we're releasing in May on um, men, women, and money. Um, and just, we're all in on, on helping, um, your audience, our audience, uh, just take this different approach because we want to change the conversation around money. We want it to be something that people see, um, as a way for God to really bring truths and blessings into um, our lives and our communities. And, um, it's a lot of fun to partner with y'all to do it. Well, you guys have definitely changed the conversation for so, so many couples. And I'm so thankful for that and, and your team. Rafa, thanks for taking time today. I know you guys are busy, busy folks. And uh, send our love and thanks from married people to your team. And uh, I'm sure we will connect up really, really soon. But uh, thank you for doing what you do, my friend. I know um, you could be doing a million other things, but I can't think of anything more important than what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you, Ted. It's just a pleasure and an honor to be able to partner with y'all and um, keep up the great work. I'll keep listening. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Ted, that was an awesome interview with Rafa. I'm so glad that you brought him to the table. That was an awesome discussion, and it just reminds us that money is not just this black and white thing. It's deeper than that, and money can be a catalyst of connection or disconnection. So as we always like to do, Ted, we like to boil things down to one simple thing. So I know that was a lot of information uh, to process, but when 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 it gets down to it, what do we need to take away? What is the one simple thing that we can do this week? Yeah, I think we're just following Rafa's lead. You know, he let us know that. He said he felt like one of the best things that we could do is just start the conversation of, Mm -hmm. uh, of money. And Uh, The question you'd ask your spouse at some point this week is, what's one of your first memories of money growing up? What was one of those, your first memories? Yeah. In fact, let's, let's do that. Afton. Okay. I'll tell (laughs) you. You're supposed to share it with Hudson, but go ahead and share it with us and (laughs) all of the listeners. (laughs) With the whole world as well. Well, if he listens to this, that means I don't have to do it this week because (laughs) he'll just listen to it when the podcast comes out. (laughs) He listens very regularly, doesn't he? He does. He really loves the pod. Okay. (laughs) The pod. The podcast. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's just slang, CJ. Oh, okay. Um, okay, the first... Okay, this is like not really like the first time I remember talking about money, but the first time I remember kind of like addressing money in our family, I might need to do like a disclaimer if there are like kids around, maybe... Mm. Just be careful. Okay, that I'm yep. just doing a quick disclaimer. That's good. Okay. Safe for the whole family. Safe for the whole family, but like I don't want to ruin anybody's magic. Yeah. Okay, because my the first thing I remembered telling my parents about money was I think the year was like 1999 and it was Christmas and we okay. got beep, a, beep, beep. warning parents we're about to talk warning about parents. Christmas. We're talking about Christmas parents. The Real big quick. happy fellow. All I'm saying is 
we got a gateway computer, like the one that had like cow print on the outside of the box. And I, as like a, as like an eight or nine year old came out and I saw the computer and I looked at my parents and I was like, I know Santa has to be real because there's no way we could afford this computer. Mm. And that's the first thing I remember <laughs> thinking about my family and our money and Christmas time. Wow. And, and what made you think that? Like when you saw that? Oh, that- because I was like, my parents would never be able to spend this kind of money mm. on something quote unquote frivolous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm like, there's no way they would buy us a computer, like a brand new computer. There's no way. Mm. Cause they just kind of communicated over the years. That Everything that's... was like kind of always like a hand me down or we got it from a friend or we mm. you, like, we didn't just like buy new things like mm. that. So it, there being a brand new computer in our living room on Christmas morning, I'm mm. like a hundred percent saying it's real. Gotcha. Which is probably why I believed in him until sixth grade. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, you know, I'm sure that I thought about money, you know, in elementary school and stuff, but I think it really kind of hit home a little bit more when I was in middle school. Um, and again, this is something that I would share with Terry, but go ahead. Yeah, I'll share it with Come everybody. On. It's, yeah. Um, so my dad um, worked in the car industry for a long time, still does. Um, and he worked at a dealership. And this was, you know, I can't remember how many years ago, but middle, middle school. And um, it was back when there was some, there was, the car industry was kind of ruffled a little bit and they were actually, he worked at a Dodge dealership and Dodge is owned by Chrysler. I promise it's going somewhere and Chrysler was consolidating. So they were consolidating dealerships. And so there used to be a Jeep dealerships, Dodge dealerships, Chrysler dealerships. And they were like, we're bringing all those brands under one dealership's roof. And I remember um, getting home one day and we uh, started praying as a family, you know, cause we were like, well, they're consolidating dealerships. My dad worked at a Dodge dealership and we were hoping that that dealership wasn't one that was going to get mm-hmm. shut down. And that's when just as a family in middle school, I was like, Oh, because we need money, you know, because, <laughs> Oh, that's because this doesn't just happen. Yeah. And Ooh. so I can't even remember what year that was, but somewhere in those middle school years, I kind of started to feel the way of we live as a family and we need money to survive. So we're going to pray that, dad's job doesn't, you know, get lost, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the dealership doesn't get closed down, but thankfully it wasn't. And so everything was good. And that's why my dad's still uh, in the car business today. But that was the moment. That was the hinge moment that I was like, and that's wow. that's what made you such a saver. And who knows? Maybe who there's knows? some deep emotional issues oh, I need to goodness, process. Let's unpack them right now. <laughs> no, thank hour. you. We will turn to Ted. <laughs> Ted, what was your... Uh, I know for Afton, when she mentioned her story in like 1999, I mean, you were, you were like three, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. totally three yeah. years Cause old. Because you're like 16. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You just act like it. Oh, sorry, sorry. This, we're the same age, <laughs> FYI. We were like in the same graduating class. So he tries to act all wise. And like he's, mm. he's better and knows more. Same age. Same age. Emotional maturity. (laughs) (laughs) Emotional age. I've heard of that on The Bachelor. All right. Uh, Ted, what? (laughs) I've heard of that on The Bachelor. All right, Ted. So what is your uh, earliest money memory? Um, I kind of feel like that I was raised by like country mouse, city mouse kind of thing. Because I had my dad, you know, my mom passed away when I was 10. And my dad um, is a cotton farmer. So he has a lot of land. And so, you know, yes, people still do that. Because uh, we all still need clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had my aunt who kind of served the mom role after my mom passed away. And so they had two very, very different views of money. My dad, growing up, you know, growing up on the farm, you could always, you know, people say, oh, his mood changes like the weather. My dad's mood changed like the weather, literally. Like, I need it to rain here. I need it not to, I need it to be dry here. Mm-hmm. I need it to be not cold here. And so we would kind of gauge and we knew that that was going to impact income that year, Mm -hmm. that this is how everybody survives, not just our family, but all these other families and all these other workers. And so I remember that. I remember being kind of tuned into him. Uh, We had this back porch and I remember when it would rain, everybody go to the back porch because it was good. It was great when it rains. Even I've got a front porch here. Even when it rains now, I can find my body. I'm just out there going, how did I get here? Um, (laughs) This is what you do when it rains. You go to the porch. Uh, So I felt that. And then I had my aunt who, um, 
had money who appreciated nicer things and mm-hmm. felt that I should have them. Uh, so it's kind of like two different places. I always felt kind of torn and I can kind of even feel that today. I feel like I can go back and forth mm-hmm. when it comes to money, kind of from one extreme to the other. Wow. Now, I, th- I think it's just great as we wrap up, like I appreciate you guys sharing stories and I think it's going to be cool. I think like, oh, I know everything about Terry, but I've never asked that. I don't know what her first thoughts were when mm-hmm. it came to money. And I think this is going to be a really cool exercise to ask her about. And so, yeah, that's our one simple thing this week. Ask your spouse about their first memory when it comes to money. You might just learn something and learn a little bit more about how you guys can work better together when it comes to your finances. So Mm -hmm. thank you again, Ted, for uh, your conversation with Rafa. And thank you for joining us for the Married People Podcast. We hope that today's episode helped you realize that marriage is a little easier than you think. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through whatever podcast app you're using, whether it's Overcast or Apple Podcasts, just subscribe. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a review. And finally, for more great financial resources, uh, check out our show notes. You can visit those at marriedpeople.org. And we are linking to uh, resources provided by Bright Peak Financial that Rafa is a part of. So you can check those out at marriedpeople.org. Until next time, I'm CJ. I'm Afton. I'm Ted. And thank you for listening. Thank you.